Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. Howdy, friends. How are you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I'm weirded out by the weather, but I don't think I hate it. Like, I don't hate the fact that it's weird and mild right now. But I'm also, like, I don't know, worried about the earth at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a mixed it's a mixed weird thing. But, um, yeah, it, it's all good otherwise. Other than the back of my mind worrying about that, I'm good. I mean, I think about it too. But one of the things that I kind of get a little bit of comfort from is... Every now and again, when we get a day like today where it's going up to like five, six, seven degrees and raining in February, time when we should be getting a lot of snow and it should be sub-zero temperatures, I look at those records and and you always hear these things come out like, ooh, today it's the warmest it's been since this day in 1925. And I think, okay, I mean, if the exact same thing happened, a hundred years right. ago. It does give you a little more peace of mind. That maybe it's not necessarily some clear and present danger right now. Having said that, I mean, I don't think anyone would disagree that the planet's changing a lot. Sure. The, the seasons are shifting here, and that fucking groundhog was wrong. <laughs> um, I want to go through a couple of things that are in the news today, and and we'll just spit it around and, uh, and see what we come up with here. I, uh... I'm actually sad watching the coverage of what's going on in Turkey and Syria after that earthquake. A 7.8 magnitude earthquake that hit just before dawn on Monday. As most people were asleep, the death toll now is over 5,000 people. Over 5,000 people were killed in this earthquake, and they think that number is going to rise substantially. They say... The rescuers are combing through the debris of thousands of buildings that came down as well. And seismic activity continues to rattle the region with scores of aftershocks. You know, it's real hard to clean up an earthquake when the earth won't stop shaking. It's really hard to move forward and go into that rubble when there's constantly buildings falling down around you because of the aftershocks. What a horrible humanitarian crisis that's happening here. Well, I mean, and talk about another, you know, fear. It's things that you can't, like, I mean, it's out of your control completely. And when something like that happens, it's just devastating. When you when you see footage of it, like from, from my perspective, I've never been in a scenario like that, in a huge disaster such as that. But then I look at footage, right? And I see people's homes destroyed and and obviously people dead and and it's it's horrible. You try to put yourself in that position. What a terrible position to be in. So I feel for everybody there. I'm so glad there are so many people stepping up to help. Uh but man, that's scary. As far as I know, and I guess this could change. We should wait for some guidance from Foreign Affairs. The Canadian Red Cross is probably the best place to make your donation if you want to throw some cash in to try and help out with the relief efforts. And the Red Cross really does do amazing work around the world. So support them if you can. And let's hope that whatever resources we have available in Canada that they could use over in Turkey and Syria, we're making available to them. I'm pretty confident we are. It's just let's get that on the record that this needs to be done and hopefully very quickly. Uh, today's going to be a weird one in Ottawa. How would you like to sit in a room? Just you and 13 people that you know don't like you. That would be an awkward existence, wouldn't it? I think so too. Is that the case here? Yeah. Every single one of them? Um. Most? Pretty much. Like 80, 80, 90% maybe? Pretty much all of them have got an issue here. All of the premiers have been demanding that Ottawa kick in more towards 
healthcare. Mm-hmm. So today, Justin Trudeau is going to meet with the 13 premiers. This year, Ottawa has transferred $45 billion to the provinces for healthcare. That's only 22% of the cost. So the premiers say Ottawa's got to do much better because, as you know, we send so much tax money to Ottawa, and then most of the time they piss it away. So if we could get something back here and turn our health care system around, that would be great. The provinces want 35%. So on top of the $45 billion that we already got, they would like Ottawa to send about $26 billion more. Now, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but we don't exactly have $26 billion just laying around anymore. So I'm not sure how it's going to go down. Yeah. I've heard it's going to be a 10-year deal where it's a little bit now and then a little more next year and a little more the year after that. And we're basically just going to kick the can down the road. But the real debate here seems to be what kind of conditions are going to be on it? We'd heard that Ottawa will only give more money if there's conditions and benchmarks and things like that to show that wait times are coming down. I think that that's not unreasonable to ask for. If Ottawa wants that, I don't mind providing a little bit of accountability, but let's also keep in mind that this is none of Ottawa's business. This is a provincial thing. Now, if Ottawa wants to take a vested interest in it and they're actually going to pay more than they currently are, that's probably good. The problem is nobody wants to address the actual problem. Part of the reason that we're in the situation we're in is because we have a very unsustainable system. So a lot of people are pressuring the prime minister. These are regular citizens and some of the healthcare unions and such. And media. And media. Oh yeah, Amplified by media, I should say. Can't forget about the CBC and such. They really want Ottawa to say, okay, well, we'll give you the money, but only if there's no more investment into private healthcare. And what I don't understand is what they don't understand, that we already have private health care. I mean, doctor's offices and plastic surgery clinics and dentist's offices and, and all those other places are all private. All we're doing is saying that there's other places you can go to get surgeries done besides an actual hospital. And I'm not quite sure why people are so staunchly opposed to that other than uh, – It's taking money away from the unions and putting it into the hands of businesses that are set up and licensed to practice medicine in Ontario. So we'll see where it goes. I tend to think that the prime minister actually likes what we're doing in Ontario. He hasn't said he doesn't like it. All he said is he wants to see the public system maintained. Both can happen at the same time. But either way, if we get another $26 billion, that should make a big difference. All the nurses and doctors and uh, radiologists, and I don't know who else works in a hospital, sorry, but they all need a raise. They've all been capped sure. at 1% for a long time. And if we can use part of that money to get them more money so that they're happy going to work and want to do their job and stay in Ontario or stay in Canada, mission accomplished. That's great. Well, it's just one of the things that, we're, that we have been up until now better known for is our universal health care system. And if the system's kind of breaking province by province, it is a problem and it is a problem that needs to be addressed. So I'm not... I'm not opposed to talking about trying to figure it out for sure. And there's a lot of gaps where we could fill those and make sure that everyone's happy. Like you said, that's all very, very important. I'm curious what will come out of it. And I hope that the provincial leaders are really honest after they step out of that meeting and tell, you know, their their people how it went and if they felt it was fair and was anyone treated differently than another province or because I know everybody has a different issue, right? Some are ER wait times. Some are, you know, whatever, whatever the surgery, care. surgery postponements. All the, there's a whole bunch of other shit. Long-term healthcare is a great one as well. So is everything actually going to be addressed properly or is it just going to be one blanket thing where it doesn't really help three or four provinces? You know, is it going to be looked at 
situation by situation. So I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah, I am too. I hope that they get this right. I have a feeling that whatever gets offered is not going to be exactly what the premiers want, but the premiers are also in a tough position. If they say no and try and hold out for a better deal, they're really just prolonging the inevitable, and that's what ended up happening with the $10 a day childcare. Uh, <laughs> I honestly admit I'm, I'm, I laughed when I heard this story because I think it's that ridiculous. In what could be one of the most trivial rulings out of the labor board, the federal government has been found in breach of the labor code for, and I quote, failing to protect Parliament Hill interpreters from workplace injuries. The union argued that the Translation Bureau was not adequately protecting its employees who were working in a hybrid setting, partially at home. They found experts that claimed staff who translate meetings between English and French and French and English are being, and I quote, put at risk of injury because they're straining to hear some voices and can be exposed to sudden loud noises. Right. In other words, somebody comes on mic and they're a little loud or someone's a little quiet. Yeah. Apparently, it's now a workplace injury if you have to strain to hear the other person. I do find it to be irritating. That would be absolutely irritating. You know, you're trying to translate and someone's like this. So then you jack your volume right up, right? Like you do and you can't hear. And then they're like this and everything's fine. Then the next person comes along right in your friggin' face. <laughs> that would be terrible. That's irritating. Who yeah. wants to hear that? It, uh... I don't know about injury. Like, I'm not sure what kind of injuries you'd sustain. I suppose that would definitely hurt your eardrums. That could give you a headache. I don't know what the solution would be. Hire competent people is the solution. We just need somebody to run a mixer. That's all it That's is. That's the thing, right? It's an audio issue on that other end more so than it would be. Uh, but I think that the thing is when you're taking these random willy-nilly meetings with the translators and on Zoom, for example, you can't guarantee that the audio function's going to be there. You just can't. I, I don't know, Kat. I've done a million Zoom meetings since 2020, and I've never experienced an issue with loud noises and people talking too soft. And if that is, the, I mean, usually it just sort of normalizes as you go through the system. If you need to ask somebody to speak up, sure, by all means, you can do that. If somebody's too loud, you turn your headset down I, uh, I really don't know how they can classify this as an injury, especially while they're working from home. It's an irritant. Can we call it an irritant? I feel like there's an in-between here. Like, it is irritating. Fix it. Then how does the federal government fail to protect Parliament Hill interpreters from workplace injuries? To me, that is bizarre. It sounds outrageous. I hear you. It, it is sounds weird. absolutely wild. Yeah. Uh, oh, the opposition parties, now they've uh, they've decided they want answers from the federal government about the Chinese balloon that drifted over Canadian territory. The federal government oh, is offering go. a few or very few details about this incursion into our airspace by a Chinese spy balloon. The U.S. military, as you likely heard, blew it up over the weekend. Well, the opposition parties want to know why Canadians weren't alerted until the U.S. media picked up on the story and what measures are being taken to protect against Chinese spying. Can I tell you, I still don't see what the problem was here. I, it's a huge problem that China sent a balloon over our airspace. That's simply not allowed. They broke the rules. They shouldn't have done it. And I think they're fucking around. I think they're looking for a fight. Having said that, that balloon seems pretty innocuous. I mean, anything that that balloon could have discovered, they likely could have seen with their satellites in space anyway. And, and the balloon itself, 
as big and annoying as it was, and it costs a lot of money, I still don't know why we shot a fucking missile at it, but here we are. We've done it now. Now we've got to go and clean up seven miles of ocean area just to pick up the pieces and try and figure out what it was up to. I, I feel like if China really wanted to spy, they wouldn't send a balloon. They've got satellites and they've got TikTok. Like, what more do they need? It seems silly to me, if that's even a thing, by the way. It seems silly to me that that we're worried about China coming over the Pacific and invading us now because they figured out where the military bases were. You can Google that. I mean, it's basic information. I have to think there's another reason that they sent that balloon up. But, yeah, it's fair to ask, what the fuck was that all about and why didn't we shoot it down? Ah, actually, never mind. I can answer my own question. Apparently, the reason we didn't shoot it down is because mm-hmm. it was too high and our planes don't go that high or fast. Well, that's good to know. We would, we <laughs> that's would, comforting. Those new planes that we just said a couple weeks ago we're going to buy, the ones that we were supposed to buy like 10, 15 years ago, those ones apparently can do the trick. The ones we've got right now, not so much. <laughs> we're getting a new coworker. Pamela Anderson is joining us here at Chorus Entertainment. <laughs> Again, actually, she was our coworker for the last little while in HGTV. In that, um, I haven't seen it, honestly, the series. This was a series where she helped to renovate her a family home that's uh, owned by, I don't want to say her grandmother, on Vancouver Island. And it looked very neat, and it was renewed recently for a second season. But what gives her qualifications to renovate a home? I mean, she's not Brian Baumler. Oh, or- it's a t- I mean, it's a team of people. Oh. that like It's not like she physically did it, but it's more like it goes through like the history. From what I remember from the trailer, and again, I didn't watch it. But uh, from what I remember, it's like she goes through the history of the home, and it is an old home, great property, Vancouver Island, so freaking expensive. So uh, whatever, M- wanted to beautify it, make it make it lovely again, and hired a crew, and obviously there's ups and downs. You know how these home shows work. They suck you in because there's problems, and this happens. So they made an entire, I think it was an eight-episode run, and they just renewed for for a second season. It's It's Pamela's Garden of Eden so I think that they're focusing on the outside too. It's a little bit of both, uh, but that was renewed. So, but now we're changing, we're switching gears here, over on the Food Network and on Canadian Food Networks. You're going to start to see a cooking show with Pamela Anderson. Great. Yeah, she, <laughs> she um, in her, I I watched her special, her documentary on Netflix. And one of the things I found interesting was she joined PETA, you might remember, many, many years ago. Do you remember that time, by the way, that it all of a sudden, like, she was in, like, naked ads for PETA, I'd rather go naked than wear fur, and all those things, right? She basically started that Kinda. campaign. Well, there's a, there's a reason behind why she did that. It was really to distract from the sex tape and all the scandal. She wanted to, she said, if my body's out there anyway, I want to do good with it. And that's when she started to really go gung-ho about animal cruelty and all those lovely things. It's wonderful. That's when she started to go vegan, if I'm not mistaken, unless she was vegan previous to that. That's one of the reasons why she started was to do this thing with PETA. And then that that encouraged her to be a vegan. Now we ha- are at this uh, part of her life where she is not sure of what she wants to do next, really, it seems. But she does enjoy cooking vegan food. And that's what this series is about. And I'm not sure if there's going to be special guests or not. Do we find out if there's any special guests? I just know that well, it hopefully stars there's her. somebody who can cook. Because again. How do you know she can't cook? She's at home a lot. I get like that. She, in, so again, again, watch the documentary and you'll see like she's at home a lot. She doesn't go out a lot. She likes, she's in Canada. She, she's still at her, her parents' place, but obviously it's lovely renovated. There's multiple homes on the property. It's not Vancouver though. It's. Ooh, little something BC. I don't know. It looks very nice, 
but she sticks to herself a lot. She's got, she just focused on raising her sons. Her sons are a little bit older now. And now she said, really, she's at the point of her life where a, she wants to find another husband. Is it six one, the charm, whatever she wants to find another <laughs> husband. And cause right now she just hangs around house all day. Okay. And I mean, I get that. She I, probably does a fair amount of cooking. I, and I'm sure she does. Hey, if Paris Hilton can have a cooking show, Pamela Anderson can have a cooking show. And whether you want to watch or not is up to you. I get that. I'm actually interested in the vegan cooking. I think that's neat. There's a lot of different cooking that I'm curious about that I don't know anything about. Uh, a lot of people talk about the, um, the cannabis-infused cooking and how great that is. I'm interested, but oh. I have no idea where to start. I would, I would not. I would be way too scared to try. But apparently it doesn't. Well, you can do it in ways that it doesn't necessarily get you high. You can infuse CBD. I, I think all that stuff's neat, so I'd like to learn more about it. But I don't think I would just tra uh, trust the guy over at, I don't know, Canna Cannabis or Tokyo Smoke to, to run the cooking show just because <laughs> right. he sells weed. Now, in Pamela Anderson's case, not a contractor, but she did a home reno show. Not a chef. She's doing a cooking show, and I have to think a lot of it is just on her name and her lived experience. That being the case, mm -hmm. great. It's just I wouldn't mind if every now and again they brought in a some sort of a qualified chef to say, hey, just so you know, if you put the cheese in the oven at that temperature, it's going to fucking burn. <laughs> oh, but there's no cheese. The What is that weird cheese? that? <laughs> Daya, Daya. Well, whatever. It's There's a lot of different kinds, brands of fake cheese, By which does not melt. Okay. We talk about, <laughs> that's strange to me. We talk about the grocery store from time to time and how bad the prices are with inflation and so on and so forth. Have you looked at the vegan shit? If you are a vegan and you drive a vehicle that uses diesel, I don't know how you're making it through life anymore because the cost is just unbelievable. Vegan food and, and all food alternatives and diesel seem to be the two most expensive things. Can I ask a question about the grocery store while we're there? Of course. Why is Galen Weston still doing the commercials for Blah Blah and President's Choice? Can he not read the room? I cringe every time one of those commercials comes on and you see his smug little face talking about the PC products and, oh, you've got to come and get this, mm -hmm. knowing that he just took the price freeze off a week ago. Why is he still doing their commercials? I don't know. Does he have... I wonder... You know, behind the scenes of all these advertisements, they always do like test testers, right? Like test runs. How does the audience react to it? Have they just not done that? <laughs> maybe they don't realize, or maybe he just says, I don't care. I'm still going to be the face of the brand. I, I'm not sure. I, I have a feeling. I've never met the man, but I have a feeling he has got to be an egomaniac to continue appearing in those ads because I can't think that that's possibly helping. I've changed my shopping habits a lot. Mm -hmm. It's amazing just in the last week how much prices have changed. Uh, for a while there, we got about three weeks where pineapples were like $1.99. And I thought, okay, great, something coming back down to reality. Now, for some reason, the pineapples are back up to 6 bucks, but the watermelons are down to $3.99. I can't figure it out anymore, Kat. But they're $3.99 at one store and $7.99 at another store. And if these guys are all colluding, they're not doing it right because everybody's got different prices and it's really hard to tell Who's gouging who and why? Yeah, exactly. It is confusing. Is that, or, and you wonder if it's done purposefully or if it just happens to be that way, that it's almost so confusing that are they doing it on purpose to mislead us or make us feel confused? Like we're the ones that, I don't think we should be going from store to store to figure out how to possibly save the most money. You know, it's a, it's a shame. But on that Galen Weston thing too, like, I agree with you. I think that he does in like Galen Weston. Galen Weston likes Galen Weston. 
Is that the best option for the grocery store? Like I'm trying to think of all the other grocery store brands that have commercials and you never see like a face to it. Is this just the way to make Canadians feel like they know, oh, I know Galen, so I'm a shop at those locations. Is that what that's about? If that's the plan, I hope that they're reevaluating that because I think a lot of people, especially after seeing how defensive Loblaw got when people mm. were accusing them of gouging people, I have to think that there's discussions going on in that company about how they repair their reputation. Guys, I'll give you this one for free. Get Galen Weston out of the fucking commercials because yeah. it's not helping. You might be able to come up with a cool new idea, and I'm not saying you have to hire one person for it. You think about the uh, Food Basics commercials that keep it simple and all this stuff. Like, great, fine. Like, there's there doesn't need to be, like, a star of the video necessarily. A and people still go shop there, you know? Like, I don't know. It it's a strange one to me, too, that they still have them on there. Walmart. Brilliant. It's a happy it's face. It's a happy face. How can you not argue with not that? Not controversial at all. It's a happy face. <laughs> I don't understand why more people don't just adopt an inanimate object or an emoji or an animal. Everybody loves that little fucking Geico lizard and the Taco Bell chihuahua. Why don't they put an animal out there of some sort for PC? Not Galen Weston. Read the goddamn room here, people. I don't know. I, I do wonder if that has any impact on anyone. Uh, it's, it, it makes me curious. If th There's got to be lots of studies behind the scenes of that. I'm interested to find out more on that. Maybe I'll look it up. The largest movie chain in America has announced a new ticket pricing system that's based on the location of the seats. AMC says seats in the middle of the auditorium will cost $2 more, while seats in the front row will be cheaper. Okay, I'm interested in this. They say the pricing plan that they call Sightline has already been rolled out at some locations and it will be in place in all U.S. theaters by the end of this year and it's going to apply to all showings after 4 p.m. Exhibitors have increasingly looked at more viable pricing methods as movie theaters attempt to recover from the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's still... I have to think that attendance is still somewhat down. We aren't seeing those massive box office numbers that we used to see pre-pandemic. And I'm not sure why. Maybe people just weren't interested in movies. Maybe there's not a lot of great movies coming out right now, and that's the reason for it. But I'm up for anything that makes it cheaper. I would gladly pay $9 for a ticket instead of $11 for a ticket and sit on the aisle, then sit right in the middle. I don't like the middle seats. I avoid them. I don't like I, them either. I like the very back. That's my go-to. So if you're looking at if you're looking at the photo of where the seats are, okay? So the screen is going to be right front, you know what I mean? And the seats are at the back. I like to go back to the left. Or if the door's on this side, back to the right. Because I want to come in the door, go all the way up the steps and know that my seat's right there. That's where I sit. And I freaking love it. So is my seat changing? Your as far seat, as you can tell? As far as I can tell, no. But if they're going to lay it out basically like a, a hockey arena or a baseball stadium. Different seats cost different amounts based on their convenience or their sight line. So I like to sit on the aisle. Great. I should pay a little bit less than someone who wants to sit right in the center of the theater and be immersed in that big sound, big theater, blah, blah, blah shit that they do. In the same way now that we pay more for those D-Box seats, you'll pay more for the prime seats, but you'll pay less for the less appealing seats. I'm wondering if there's somebody who just wants to go out and would pay, I don't know, five bucks, but sit in the front row. Would you pay less to sit in the worst possible seats? That's now going to be an option. Do you think people would take advantage of it here in Canada, or is this still not the right business model for theaters? I think it's a fine business model for theaters. 
They, uh, they think this is the silver bullet. I think that it's great because there is there are people, like I said, I don't like the middle. You mentioned you don't like the middle. There are a lot of people that do, though. Like, they're in the middle. Let's go. This is the seat I want. So those hot seats, much like an air, uh, airline ticket, right? You look at an airline ticket, most people want that very front, little more leg room. What are you doing? You're paying extra for it. Now, in, the, in that way, it's more like $70 extra. Here, we're talking not as much. But to get those prime seats for those big movies, I think it's fine. Uh, no, I'm not a regular theater attender. So for me, if I really see a seat I like, and let's say they did start charging for that seat I like, I'll pay a couple extra to make sure that I have the seat I like. I have no problem doing that. I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it'll be good for them. And if they came to Canada, I wouldn't hate it. I'm a big fan of um, what is the theater chain around here? That has like the couches. You sit on like a love seat and watch the movie. It's super comfortable. Is it a landmark? I think it's landmark. landmark. Yeah. yeah. I-, I wish there was more of those. I mean, that's a great way to watch a oh. movie. That's the way I would watch it at home. It's fantastic. I had a meal the last time I did a date night movie. They have restaurants in there too, like full blown restaurants. So we sat at a restaurant and we're like, oh no, the movie time is coming. And they're like, yeah, that's okay. Go ahead, take your food in. It's fine. And we could take everything in with us. And it was just in the comfortable chairs, so much room. It was great. You did pay extra for that. When you consider the regular run-of-the-mill theater, it was worth the price for me. Again, I don't go that often. Maybe for people who go all the time, they don't like this. But if you if you don't go as as regularly as some people, maybe it's worth the extra few bucks for you. Finally, this is a really interesting article. Uh, Bro Bible published this, and they talked to somebody who's considered a high roller. In Vegas. Okay. And they wanted to know. <laughs> I just booked my trip to Vegas. Really? <laughs> yeah. Have you decided where you're staying? Yeah. Are you going to tell people? Um, I guess so. I don't know. Maybe they're listening and you'll get some high roller status. Oh, I don't know. No, I mean, I don't gamble enough for a high roller status and that's really what they look for. I think. Maybe you'll get social influencer uh, uh, status. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I, if anything, yeah, of course we can talk about that. But I've, I've never stayed here before because I've been to Vegas like six times, but I've never stayed at the Cosmopolitan. So this time I'm staying at the Cosmo. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. That's a great side of the strip to be on too. Well, they interviewed this guy and he tells his story. He said... Back in the day, you used to uh, dress in your fanciest clothes and going to the casino was a big night out. And lately, it's become a little scummy. This guy has raised his game as well. He sat down playing a $5 blackjack table for a few hours. He expected the pit boss to say, well, you've been gambling here for a couple hours, so let's comp you a buffet and throw you a free room. Nope. He says casinos now have a formula for how much you need to spend before they'll give you high roller status, and they'll never actually tell you what it is. So he says he got gold status at the Cosmopolitan after he played several hours at a $5 slot machine. Now, that alone wasn't enough to get him the upgrade. He then took his winnings and played a $25 slot machine for a few more hours. Apparently, when they see the upgrade from a 5 to a 25, they think, okay, here's somebody that we want to take care of. Gold status got him free rooms, free food, and free drinks. He wound up spending $66,000 on slots that year with a $2,200 profit. That got him platinum status. Oh, snap. When you go platinum, not only do you get the free rooms, free food, and free drinks, they'll also throw in a limo that you can basically just hail, and it'll take you anywhere you want or need to go. You get VIP lounge access at the casino, 
and they'll upgrade your free room to a free suite. So this guy says part of the reason that he's maintained his status as a high roller is over the course of seven years, he has spent 811000 total dollars on slots. He's down $34,800. However, he estimates the perks he's got are worth $60,500, so he actually considers himself up about thirty grand. I'm going to question his math on that. I don't know that you're necessarily up. I mean, you're definitely down $34,800. Value? Yeah, I'm sure you got some really cool experiences. You probably had uh, showgirls in your limo with you, taking you here, there, and everywhere, and sure. having a great time, and free buffets, and booze, and all that sort of shit. You're still down a lot of money. Like, you didn't actually... Uh, yeah, that's a game-changing amount of money to be down. That's not good. He he thinks he's up because of the value of all the perks, but I don't see it that way. Would the casino really go out of their way to comp somebody who's taking their money, who's making money? Or are they just waiting for you to hit that rut and then collect it all back? I have to think there's a formula for it, and I don't know if we'll ever get a clear answer about no. what that is. They're never going to give away their formula. From what I know, yes. You, I mean, these are people that are spending a tremendous amount of money. And you see, for me, okay, as someone who goes to a casino now and again, and by that I mean seriously, maybe twice a year, I go to a casino. And even if I'm going to a small casino, the last time I went to a place, I look around and I see these people at machines and I see them winning big for a lot of people. And by that, I mean, like, maybe they just hit the medium jackpot at $300. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, shit, what a day. Like, congratulate. And I go over and I say, congratulations. And I remember doing that once to someone who hit like a 600 or something. And I walk over and I was like, oh, you know, that's what people usually do when they're around those people. Like, hey, congrats, man, that's great. And the guy's like, thanks. Yeah, I'm still down about like two grand this week, but this will help. Always oh remember God. there are people, the people sitting there aren't necessarily the people who come along and, and, and hit once and then they're like, oh, I won big. It's crazy. They're people who have usually spent a lot of time there and money. And it's the exact same for the high rollers a lot of the time. They're high rollers for a reason. They are putting money into it. So although you think there's perks, those aren't perks. Those are the hotel's ways to make sure that person gambles at that spot. Well, when we asked about it on our radio shows this morning, we got a lot of responses. And we asked, what perks have you ever got from a casino? And and a lot of people said they got the free drinks or they got the drink upgrades to, like, top shelf stuff. And, I mean, that's fine. That doesn't really cost them much to do that sort of stuff for you. Uh, some people got, like, concert tickets and stuff. That was good. Somebody, uh, what was it somebody got? Oh, free room, upgraded to a suite, all that sort of stuff. Doesn't seem like anything over the top crazy. I uh, I don't know how much you have to spend at a Canadian casino to get that though. And I mean, there's still a lot of locations around here that are just slot machines. So I that's not for me, by the way. You're a slots player, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Mo um, if sometimes, uh, but mainly I uh, like roulette. That's usually my go-to. Is it really? Yeah, I like roulette. That's ah, what I do at the casino. Fan I thought you were playing slot machines the whole time mm. you were down there. No. I like that. You play roulette. Yeah. Good for you. Of course. That's where the money is. I've got a key, I've got an actual like go-to that I do that I actually end up winning money. I'm not telling you what it is. But I'll tell you like not now, but I'll tell you another time. Okay. Well, as it gets closer to your trip to Vegas, we'll talk a little bit more about Vegas. Sure. We're going to get you upgraded to like the suite at the 
Uh, whatever. Honestly, I don't. I wherever honestly, they I shop don't the care. Hangover. No, I don't care. I lo- I like Vegas a lot. I got married there. I love it there. I go back, you know, whenever I can. But it's been six years since I've been there because I got married and had kids. So it's the first time because of COVID we didn't go. So this is actually the first time that we've been back in six years. Can I tell you with Vegas, I really don't care about the gambling that much. I go for the no. food. No, see, and I, I love the food. I don't. I the food's great. The gambling's fine. I go for the people watching. Like my husband and I can go to a, any number of patios on the strip and and just drink beer, wine, whatever, and just watch people. And I love it. Like it's I could sit out there all day. I could. And that's one of the reasons why I picked Cosmos because I got the terrace views. So I could just watch people the whole time. It's uh, freaking bright. You're making me want to go. Shit. Yeah, you all should right, join us. No. It'll be um, fun. <laughs> have a great uh, Tuesday, everybody. We will have another episode of After 9 tomorrow and another one on Thursday. And until then, we have got over 800 episodes in the archives. Feel free to go back and listen. Have yourselves a fantastic day. Bye, friends. Over the weekend, U.S. military fighter jets shot down a Chinese spy balloon over the Atlantic Ocean. And this is fun. Instead of a medal, the pilot who popped the balloon got to pick any stuffed animal on the top shelf. <laughs> Producers have released a trailer for a new reality show about actor Sylvester Stallone and his family. Then, yeah, you're probably going to need the captions on. (laughs) Next year, Apple could introduce a more expensive iPhone called the Ultra. Ooh. Yep. This one will have two flashlights that turn on in your pocket. Of course, you got to take better care of a more expensive iPhone. If you drop this one in the toilet, you have to put it in a bowl of risotto. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine Podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.